Amen. Well, it's time to go ahead and engage in this word on today. Man, this is going to be so good. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 39, I believe. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Now, often when we're dealing with Palm Sunday, the sermon for the day would normally be about Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We would be talking about how they laid out the palm leaves and how the people were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. But today, the Lord has led me in a different direction. We are on the road to redemption. Amen. Everybody say that with me. We are on the road to redemption. That's what our study has been about. We started last week talking about the road to redemption. And I want to thank God for Sister Samantha Smith talking about process. And that thing has stuck with me. And I've realized that everything in life comes via process. Everything flows through us. There are steps that are always taken that gradually gets us from one place to another. And we saw last week how Adam's fall precipitated the need for Jesus to come through a virgin named Mary. It is because of the mistake that Adam made that we needed a savior in the first place. If it had not been for what Adam had done and the plan that God had in his mind and the process that he enacted, we would not have the Easter celebration that we'll be having next week. And so I wanted to expose the deep need that we had for a savior so that this Easter season is not lost on us. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. And here's what it says. It says, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto disciples, unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death or even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. I want to speak to you today from the topic, thy will be done. Thy will be done. We are on the road to redemption. That is where our series has led us. We are dealing with the idea of the redeeming power of God. And the fact that when God looked down on the earth and saw the sin in the earth, even in our sinful state, he saw redeeming qualities. 
He saw a reason for which he would send his son to the cross to die for all of the sins of mankind. And so he enacted a process that we call redemption. Redemption is simply the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. I'll say it again. Redemption is the action of saving or being saved from, number one, sin. Number two, error. Number three, evil. How many of you know we needed saving? From all of the above. But it is also the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing of a debt. Lord have mercy. It is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing of a debt. The scripture declares that you have been bought with a price. Therefore, you are not your own. You belong to God. And the Bible said that the debt we owe, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, we have been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And he paid our sin debt in full because the payment was death. Not the death of a lamb or a turtle bub, not the death of a bull or a goat, but the death of the man who had sinned. Hebrews 9, 11, 12 speaks of this act of redemption in very descriptive language. Where it says, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is, say, not a part of this creation. Look at what it says. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. This is a description of how the high priest would go into the tabernacle, into the temple, in order to make sacrifices for the sin of men and women. And when they went in, they would go in with the blood of bulls and goats to make atonement for the sins of mankind. But the scripture says in Hebrews that our high priest did not go into a temple that was made by human hands. Our high priest went into a temple that not, was not created on this earth but our high priest when he walked through the doors of the temple and went into the holy place he did not carry the blood of a sacrificial animal but he carried his own blood and because he shed his blood he obtained not temporary but eternal redemption for those who believe I need some believers to shout hallelujah you see, the blood of bulls and goats would only cover our sins. 
It would be temporary. Therefore, the, the, the process of atonement, the process of sacrifice would have to be made repeatedly. But our high priest, he went in once. And because it was his blood, there are no more sacrifices to be made. Listen to what the Message Bible says. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. It says he also bypassed the sacrifices. Consisting of goat and calf blood. Instead using his own blood as the price to set us free. Everybody say it with me. Once and for all. Somebody shout I'm free. There is nothing else you need to do. There is no other sacrifice you need to make. All you need to do is believe in the sacrifice of the Savior Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's all you need to do today. And the price of your debt has been paid. Using his own blood. As the price to set us what? Free. How long? Once and for all. Now let's set the scene. In Luke 2, 42 through 50. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. See, they thought Jesus was somewhere in the midst. So they went a whole day's journey. And then they sought him among relatives or acquaintances. Have you seen Jesus? We hadn't seen Jesus. He's not with us. We thought he was with you. Parents, you know what you'd be doing right now. Your son, 12 years old, you'd been traveling a whole day. You thought he, he was with your aunt or your uncle or somebody playing with his cousins. And then you find out nobody's seen Jesus. Come on, come on. You know, you know how you would be feeling right now. How many of y'all would have a little panic in you? Come on, raise your hand. Your 12-year-old missing. And you travel 24 hours? Verse 45 says, so when they did not find him, they did what all good parents would do. They returned to Jerusalem, seeking him, trying to paint the picture. Now, so it was that after three days, now they traveled one day, but they were not able to find him for three. So you can imagine the intensity of their concern. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them 
and asking them questions. And all who heard him, watch this, were astonished at his understanding, not just his understanding, and his answers. Twelve years old now. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And when the amazement wore off, his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, watch this. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, why were you looking for me? Don't you know that I have to be about my father's witness or business? Now, you got to understand, they both understood whose son he was. See, they remember the visitation from the angel. She remembered that, that the angel told her she would be pregnant of the Holy Ghost and that that baby that she carried was the one that was prophesied about and that she was blessed and highly favored and that her son would be the savior of the whole world. And at the age of Jesus, at the age of 12, excuse me, Jesus said, watch this, I have got to be about my father's business today I'm clocking in for 12 years you've been a good mom for 12 years you've been a good dad and I thank you for everything you've done for me I thank you for everything you taught me but right now my father has called me to move into my purpose and the very reason that I came into the earth I want to tell y'all that Jesus did many amazing things while here on the earth he preached the gospel he healed the sick he raised the dead but ultimately he came to this earth to die for the sins of the world. Imagine at the age of 12 being aware of the fact that the process is now starting for you to pursue your purpose and be the savior of the whole world. At the age of 12, he has this understanding that I came here to die and be the sacrifice, the substitutes in the place of men for their sins to redeem them back to my father. In John 1 and 29, it says that the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. This is another important day in the life of Jesus. When Jesus comes upon his cousin, John the Baptist, Elizabeth's boy, he comes upon him as he's doing what Isaiah prophesied he would do. And he would be that voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he was the forerunner for Jesus. He was the one that would come before Jesus. And John had just told him that there's one coming after me who is preferred before me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John said, there's somebody coming after me. You think that I've been hosting a baptism. There's one coming after me who is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Oh God and fire. He said, there's somebody coming after me and Jesus comes over the hill. 
I want you to visualize it now because I'm visual. I can see Jesus walking over. And as John is talking to them about Jesus, he says, wait a minute. There he is. That's the lamb I've been telling you about who is going to take away the sins of the world. So then right then, Jesus hears it again. That's what I came for. That's my father's business. I am going to do some preaching. I am going to do some teaching. I am going to do some healing. I am going to feed 5,000 with the fish and the loaves. Come on. I am going to pull a coin out of the mouth. Come on, y'all, of a fish to pay the taxes. I am going to do all those things. But he just told y'all why I came. I am that lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Now, for us in modern day times, we don't understand the significance of the lamb. But anybody of Jewish heritage and understood the custom knew that if Jesus was the lamb, that the lamb is supposed to die. But before we go back to Matthew 26, I want to share with you what took place prior to the scene in Matthew 26. I want to give you some insight on some of the things that transpired just before Jesus arrived at Gethsemane. Before Jesus goes to Gethsemane, he told his disciples, you know, that after two days is the feast of the Passover. And the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Before Jesus goes to Gethsemane, Judas agrees with the high priest to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Before Jesus goes to Gethsemane, Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples, what we call the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper or the Holy Communion. Before Jesus goes to Gethsemane, he celebrates that supper with his disciples and he reveals that one of his disciples would betray him. At this very supper is where Jesus, Judas, which would betray him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. It is at this same supper where Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat. Good God, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and gave it unto them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, or the New Covenant, if you will, which is shared for man for the remission of sin. Then verse 36 says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. I think that we needed to see what happened, what had transpired, that they celebrated the feast of the Passover and Jesus told them about how the bread represented his body and the blood, the wine represented his blood and that he was going to die for the remission of the sins of all mankind and that and when he was 12 years old, he said, I got to be about my father's business and then at the beginning of his public ministry, John identifies him as the 
lamb that was uh, coming to save the whole world. And so Jesus gets to Gethsemane and he said to the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. The enduring word commentary says that the word Gethsemane means olive press. No, no, catch it. It means olive press. It goes on to say that it was there that the olives from the neighborhood were crushed for their oil. This is the place that Jesus chose to go and pray his last prayer. It was at the place of crushing. God, because he was about to be crushed and his blood was going to leave. Y'all got to get this. His blood was going to leave his body to pay for the sin of all mankind. And so he's at the place of crushing. Verse 37 says he took the people that he always took with him. You remember when he went to Jairus' house who he took with him? Peter, James, and John, remember when he went to the mountain of transfiguration, who he took with him, Peter, James, and John, remember the three guys that were fishing on the beach, and he told them, launch out into the deep, and they caught so much fish that the boats were about to sink. Who was it? Peter, James, and John. He seemed to always take them places. They seemed to always be with him in those significant moments. And in this most significant moment of his life where he's going to pray and he can feel the heaviness of his mission, he invites those three to come with him. And he says to them, he says he, he was, he, the Bible describes him as, as, as sorrowful. And, 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 I, and, I, and I put these words in bold. He was very heavy. He could feel the weight of his assignment. I wonder if any of you have ever felt the weight of your assignment. When you have a weight, an assignment from God, you feel the weight of the assignment that he's given you. You know how serious it is. Understanding that the preaching of, and the teaching of this gospel doesn't need to be with flair and style, but it must be with the power of the Holy Ghost. And that we must have heard from the voice of God before we even dare to stand before his people to speak his word. Heaviness. Of the assignment involved, Jesus was feeling the heaviness. Then he saith unto them, listen, he describes it to him. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Commentators say that in the Greek Lamar, that that word exceeding doesn't even begin to describe the level of sorrow he felt. It missed it was, there was no word descriptive enough to describe how he felt in that moment. But he was exceeding soft. Mm. He said, even unto death. He said, Terry, you here. Stay here. We don't use the word Terry. Terry, here, stay here. And watch with me. Jesus said, stay here and watch with me. I want you to be supportive of me. I, while I'm praying, I want you to pray. I want you, I want you to partner with me in this because you see, you see how heavy I am. You see how sorrowful I am. And I need to know I got some people with me. Verse 39, he went a little farther. And I want you to watch what he does now. Let's not go too fast to miss this. He went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed. 
the weight of it all. Carrying it since he was 12 years old. Knowing every day of his life that he lived that it was going to reach this point. Being reminded of it when he went to be baptized by John the Baptist. When he overhears him saying, this is the lamb. Not long ago, telling his disciples that the bread represented his body and the wine his blood. And then one of his disciples whom he chose is now elected to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And he has been identified as the betrayer. And now here he is with all of that on him, Warner. And he falls. Anybody ever fell in the presence of God? Had so much weight on you. Had so much stuff on your mind. So many things weighing on your spirit. That when you got to the place of prayer, you just fell there. It says he fell on his face and he prayed. Listen to what he said, saying, oh, my father. Listen to this, y'all. If it be possible. Listen to what he asked for. Let this cup pass from me. I remember when James, I believe it was James and John's mom, came and said, give my son a place in the kingdom, one on your right hand and one on your left. And Jesus said, that's not for me to give. But then he asked him a very important question. He said, can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink? They said, yes, we can. He said, surely you will drink of the cup. They didn't understand what they were saying. Can I say something? Before you say you can handle something, you need to be very clear about what it is that you're saying you can handle. I, I digress. So he, he said, if there's any, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Let it pass. Let it Never, nevertheless, though, nevertheless, nevertheless, no, I, I asked you if there's any way, let it pass. But but I'm adding in, uh, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Two things very important that we cannot miss today. Number one, did you see Jesus's response to his sorrow? Fell on his face. And he prayed. And the question for today is, what does that teach us? If Jesus, who was spiritually stronger than any of us, uh, if Jesus, who knew more word than any of us, who under the weight of the sorrows of his mission fell to his face and prayed, what in the world does that teach us? Why does it take us so long to pray? I'm not going to dig into that. I'm going to leave that alone. Number two, the cup that Jesus is praying about represents the judgment of God. The cup that he is going to have to drink is the judgment of God that is reserved for sinful man. So Jesus says, if it's possible, let this cup Filled with the judgment of God. Pass from me. Nevertheless. Not as I will. But as thou will. Or thy will. Be done. I remember when the disciples said to Jesus. Teach us how to pray. He said Abba Father. Which are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy Kingdom come, thy will be done. Huh? Did you see that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, on earth as it is 
in heaven, the Bible said that the lamb was already slain. From the foundation of the world in the heavens, it had already been accomplished. It was now being done in the earth. Thy will be done. Jesus never asked anybody to do anything that he himself would not be willing to do. And at this very pivotal moment in his life, he says, God, I turn it over to you. I've already made my request. I've already asked you what I needed to ask you, but I, I want to let you know, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. In verse 40, he cometh unto the disciples, and he findeth them asleep. And he saith unto Peter, he goes to Peter now. He always seems to go to Peter. Do you know when he said uh, the, the, the devil desires to have you, he's asked for you? He, he was talking about all of them. The devil wanted all of them, but he went to Peter. <laughs> he goes to Peter and he said, what could he not watch with me? Wow. One hour? You see what I'm going through? You heard what I told you was going to happen. I already told you I got to die. You see the, the heaviness of my sorrow and, and y'all back here sleeping. Y'all back here sleeping, knocked out. I'm up here praying. I'm thinking y'all praying with me. Y'all sleeping. Could you not watch with me? One hour. He said, watch and pray. That ye enter not into temptation. Everybody say, watch and pray. Pay attention and pray. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant, and pray. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. I'll tell you why you need to do that. For the spirit indeed is willing. Oh, but the flesh is weak. Am I talking to anybody who knows what I'm talking about? Anybody here ever promised God that you do right? Huh? I'll never do it again, God. I promise you, I'll do right, but that flesh. Oh, your spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. Paul said there is no good thing. In this flesh. So Jesus walks away in verse 42. Are y'all following me? And he went away again the second time. And he prayed saying, listen now. Oh my father. If this cup may not pass away from me. Except I drink it. Thy will be done. Now, in prayer number one, he prays if, there, if it's possible to let the cup pass. Nevertheless, not by will, but thy will. In prayer number two, he says, listen now, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. So he says, if the only way possible for me to move beyond this cup 
is to drink it. Thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. I, I'm going to ask y'all not to be so hard on the disciples. I, I'm going to ask everybody, both, both in person and virtually, don't be so hard on the disciples because I'm not so sure that all of us could have stayed awake. Huh? I, I just don't want us to be hard on those brothers. Because Jesus just told them the, the spirit was willing. They wanted to stay asleep, awake. But that flesh, Jochemah, flesh was weak. So when he came back the second time, he found them asleep. And, 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 and you know what he did, verse 44? And he left them. See, this time he didn't even wake them up. He didn't rebuke them this time. He went away again, and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. And people say, Alea, that you can't pray about the same thing more than once. They say if you pray about it more than once, because you don't believe. Somebody needed to hear that. Oh, God. I don't know about y'all, but I feel the presence of God. Then cometh he to his disciples in verse 45. And he saith unto them, sleep on now. You see the contrast between the first interaction and the third interaction? In the first interaction, he challenges them. Could you not stay with me one hour? But this time he says, sleep on now and take your rest. Behold. The hour is at hand. The hour that at, at the age of 12, the hour that when John pointed at him and said, there he is, the hour that he had just told them about, sitting at supper, that hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners, the very people he came to save. So he said, rise. Let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. He didn't say, rise, let's run away. Let's get away from here, prolong my life. 
because they're on the way to get me. Let's run. We can live on the lamb for a while. He said, rise, let us be going. He starts going toward his destiny. He knows that death is coming for him. But he's got to drink the cup. Because if he doesn't drink the cup, then we would have to drink the cup. But the reason that he came is because he that knew no sin would become sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but there's a second part to it. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he said, rise, let us be gone. The hour has come. It's time. The one who betrayed me is at hand. I want y'all to look at Jesus saying, your will, not mine. To get us out of the mess that Adam created by saying, my will, not yours. See, that's what Jesus just did. Jesus flipped it. David said he was born in sin. We talked about it last week. And shaping in iniquity. He said to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And then he said, God, the reason I did it is God, I was born into this. This flesh I got. I'm sinful by nature. Because Adam said, my will, not yours. So in order for us to be redeemed, Jesus had to reverse it and say, your will. Not mine. So remember, second Adam. So remember in verse 42 where Jesus prayed, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Y'all remember that? Listen to the way the message puts it. My Father, if there is no other way than this. Drinking this cup to the dregs. I'm ready. Do it your way. The fact that Jesus died on the cross and that next Sunday we are going to celebrate the resurrection. Friday we're going to celebrate Good Friday. The fact that he died on that old rugged cross proves that there is no other way. He said if there's another way. He said, listen, if the only way we can get rid of this cup is that if I drink it, your will be done. Y'all, there was no other way. Christ is the only way. 
There are people preaching and teaching that there are other ways. Jesus is the only way. I'll prove it to you biblically. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by I'm the path, Jesus said, to salvation. I am the path to your redemption. I am the price paid on the cross of Calvary to buy you back from sin and death. Jesus is the only way. As we celebrate during this resurrection season, let us keep in mind the level of sacrifice that he made to secure our salvation. The next time, which is next Sunday, when we receive that little cup, Jesus said, every time we do it, we should do it in remembrance of him. Now we know why. That bread represents his body. That, 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 that juice, that wine represents his blood. It represents the price paid for our redemption. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. The clarity that you are giving us of our road to redemption. The level of appreciation that we're gaining for the position that we were in opposed to the position that we're in today and the reason that we're in this position. It is because you love the world so much that you gave your only son. He died on the cross in our place, took our punishment. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. Thank you, Lord, that this season has more meaning to us because we understand it better. I think I speak on the behalf of everyone here, Lord, when I say we're grateful for the sacrifice you made in giving your son, and we're grateful for the sacrifice he made in allowing himself to be given. Thy will huh, be done. In Jesus' name. Lord, before we close, we want to thank you that your will was done. Amen.